the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. Seven minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, and we're underway. It is a Thursday, 29th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Appreciate you being with us. Coming up on the program in an hour, we're going to be talking at 1010, with, of course, with Dr. Everett Piper, who's got some very important information to share with us. Tremendous insight and analysis. Uh, that's always uh, what we get from Dr. Piper on Thursdays at 1010. Then at 1035, we go back into politics. Got another candidate interview. This one is not a candidate for the Senate race, the Senate primary. We've been talking to almost all of those folks. Uh, but this one is for District 11 in the House. And this is not one of the two women who have just been destroying each other every five seconds on television. You've seen them. You probably have not seen Dr. Seth Corey. Seth Corey is also running in that primary, the Democrat primary, and nobody knows who he is. You're going to learn who he is coming up at 1035. So I'm looking forward to that. So two guests, both of them, in the 10 o'clock hour, which means let's do process of elimination here. When is the best time for you to call? That would be in the 9 o'clock hour. So dial it up when you're ready, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Might want to wait just a little bit till I tell you what we're talking about. But uh, by all means, hit us up when you are ready. Now, uh, having said that, before we get started on the news of the day, what do you say we get started on the Pledge of Allegiance? Patriots, please stand. Hope you don't get the twisties while you do it. I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but please stand and face your flag. If you don't have a flag, at least put your hand over your heart and join us in the Pledge of Allegiance while our leftist friends take their knee, take their seat, and disparage and desecrate our great country, which is, of course, what they love to do. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic 
for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I don't know why I feel compelled to talk about Simone Biles and that ongoing controversy at the Olympics, but I kind of do because I break um, in this, in my opinion of this situation, with the um, uh, with the a lot of my conservative colleagues and and friends, um, and and mentors in some cases. You know, there's some people who are. Uh, been doing this for a very long time that I just have fundamentally disagreed with on this issue. She continues to be blasted as a quitter for realizing and recognizing after her first vault in the Olympics that she was not able to compete mentally uh, the rest of the way. And a lot of my conservative friends have said, and, and perhaps you too, a lot of listeners, in fact, I know from social media, has said she's a quitter, she quit on her team, she's soft, she quit on her country, and so on and so forth. And I will not tell you that you're wrong, and I will welcome your opinion because that's not, you know, that's how we do things in the conservative camp. We welcome all opinions. We're tolerant of all opinions and ideas. We don't shut them down uh, because we don't like them. So if you believe that, that's okay, but I just need to provide context to explain why I don't think that's fair. I pointed this out yesterday. And I think, uh, I, I think I've gotten a lot of validation in, in the, in the hours since then that what Simone Biles went through was a case of losing her focus, her concentration, um, and her, quite frankly, her confidence. And when you are twisting and flipping and tumbling and turning in midair from as high as 20, 25 feet coming off of the vault and you're spinning around and you don't know where you are, that is a massive, massive safety hazard. I don't blame her at all for this. If a NASCAR driver, I said this yesterday, loses his confidence and is afraid of spinning out and wrecking, he's going to spin out and wreck, and he's right. He can't be trading paint at 175 miles an hour. He's got to park his car. I said this yesterday, too, that if a fighter loses his confidence and starts thinking about dementia and concussions from blows to the head, he begins to fight scared. He's going to get destroyed and hurt badly. He should walk away and not go back between the ropes. If a football wide receiver can cannot think about anything as he runs a route except for the safety that's waiting for him to knock his block off as, as he goes across the middle, he plays in fear. He's right to hang up his cleats. If a gymnast loses her concentration and her focus and can't figure out where she is in midair and is afraid of killing herself, she's got to step aside. She was right to do so. Now, a lot of people say that Simone Biles should have made that decision before she, the Olympics started. She, should, she never should have gone in in the first place. And they say that her decision to step away after one, one event cost the team the gold medal, the team gold. Two responses to that. Number one, when you are an elite competitor, and this young girl at 24 years old, this young woman, rather, she's, she's been doing this since she was like a little child, uh, and she's been the best in the world since like 2013, okay? When you're an elite competitor and you feel like you're having some, you know, mental issues, psych issues, confidence issues, confidence issues or whatever, 99 times out of 100 elite competitors are still going to try. They're going to try to push that aside and they're going to try to make it work. And I guarantee you she went into this thinking, I can still do this. I can still do this. I'm still the goat. I can still do this. But then she went out there in her warm-ups and they were off. And then she went out there and did her first vault and it was off and she couldn't do it again. And that's when she made the decision. I think it's right for her 
for number one, for her safety, because again, you can't understand, neither can I, so we have to give her the benefit of the doubt, since she can give other gymnasts the benefit of the doubt, because they can understand what the twisties are. And the twisties are a sense of disorientation in the air, where you know you're supposed to be doing this tuck, that spin, that uh, uh, tumble, roll, or whatever they are, uh, at, at various points in time in your in your event, and you lose track of where you are. That disorientation, and you don't know where the ground is, you don't know when you're about to hit it, and it's extremely dangerous. So when she realized, I just can't do it, she was right to step away from it. I'm going to disagree with a lot of my conservative friends, talk show hosts, commentators, and so forth on this who said that she's just a quitter. I don't think that's the case. I think there is a safety issue here. And then the second thing, just to hit this one final time, people said she quit on her team. She cost them the gold. No. What she may have done is won them the silver. If she had gone and tried to compete with her mindset and her lack of confidence and lack of uh, of, of focus and her twisties and the disorientation that she was talking about, if she had tried to do that, what do you think she would have scored on her next three uh, attempts? She would have scored terribly. She would have scored terribly like she did on the vault, the first event. And that would have knocked the team all the way down out of any metal contention whatsoever. By stepping aside and letting somebody who did not have lost confidence, lost focus, a case of the twisties and the other things that they talk about in the gymnastics world, by letting somebody else do it for her and performing extraordinarily well, it gave the team a chance to overcome her and to win the silver medal, which they did. So that's my take on the Olympic controversy. That's about the only take I'm going to have on the Olympics, other than when does the women's soccer team play again so that I can root for whoever it is that they're playing. That's the only, And that's the other thing, too, by the way. People say, oh, you know, Simone Ba. Uh, to my understanding, and I could be wrong about this, she has never been a controversial figure. She has never been a kneeler for anthems. She has never been a wrapping herself in BLM flags and, and, and pro-Marxism. She has never been pro-China uh, and uh, you know anti-Hong Kong like some of the NBA players are who are on the U.S. men's Olympic team. She's never done what the soccer team has done as far as, you know, uh, disparaging the U.S. To me, she's just been a good, solid, strong role model gymnast um, who has hit a very, very tough mental wall right now. And I don't think it's right to not give her the benefit of the doubt since we're not living inside her head and only she is. Now, when it comes to the U.S. women's soccer team, it's game on. I will root against them as long as they kneel and threaten to embarrass the United States on the world stage by kneeling or turning their back from the flag if they make it to the medal stand. If they make it to the medal stand, winning gold, silver, bronze, or whatever, and they embarrass the United States like that again, uh, it's too much. I will not support them. I hope they lose every match that they play by about 6 nothing. And I know in soccer they say nil, but I don't like soccer, so I'm not saying nil. Six, nothing. That's what I hope happens to the U.S. women's Olympic soccer team. All right, that's it. That's the only, the only takes I'm going to have on the Olympics, but I think the one is important, especially when we do our pledge every day, because it does speak to our patriotism, and I think it's, uh, I think it's, we're, we're treating Simone Biles in a very unfair way. Okay, it's 9.17. I'm going to take my time out here so that I have room on the other side to come back and talk about uh, the latest from the CDC and the lies from the CDC as they continue now to try to strap America down again, to hold them down and strap masks to their faces, even if they've been vaccinated. That story coming up after uh, after this on AM 1420, The Answer.
Okay, it's 922. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday. Let's dive into uh, the latest attempt to control your lives. And I know it sounds melodramatic, and it sounds histrionic, and it sounds over the top. It's none of those things. It's reality. This is not about health. This is about controlling your lives. This is about making sure that you are conditioned to do what you are told by the government. This is what happens when an attempt to install a Marxist or socialist state is underway. Have to make the people comply. There's just no doubting this, no disputing this. They're trying to control your life. So now, the CDC's latest attempt at this, the Biden administration, rather, through the CDC, their latest attempt to do this is to say that everybody in America should go back to wearing masks over the age of two and in in, uh, indoor public settings, even if you are vaccinated. Now, they spent the last several months telling us that vaccines are the panacea. Vaccines are the answer. Vaccines are are what is going to save us all. And now they're telling us, yeah, the vaccines we told you were going to save us all. Uh, they're not. You got to wear masks anyway because you could still be carrying it and you could still infect other people. In other words, the vaccines don't work. This is what their statement is without making such a statement. So now let's get back to wearing the masks. While the CDC issued their guidance yesterday at about 3 p.m., said New York City Health and Hospitals President and CEO Mitchell Katz. They have not yet released the specific scientific reports on the data that underlies their recommendation. In other words, even New York City officials are saying, why should we listen to the CDC if they're not going to present the science? They're just presenting a recommendation. They haven't offered any proof that what they want to recommend is rooted in science. They haven't offered any proof because the CDC has basically said New York, Ohio, governors across the country, um, local health departments, state health departments and local health departments can all make up their own minds based on the CDC guidance. But don't forget, the CDC is the federal government and they're responsible, the federal government is, for providing funding and grants to all of these localities. And um, don't think that they're not going to be watching to see who listens to their recommendations. But the real issue here then, of course, is, well, where are you getting the information that you are using to make this new recommendation? Uh, Centers for Disease Control. What is the information? How can you make such a drastic switch and a drastic turn? The president just said a couple of months ago on television at a press conference, he said, get a vaccine and you won't have to wear a mask. I repeat, get vaccinated and you won't have to wear a mask. Those are those are his words when he said, I repeat, that wasn't me. That's what Joe Biden said. And now you're saying you do. What is the information? Well, CDC Director Rochelle Walensky said, well, it's, um, it's, there's a lot of science behind this. There's a lot of uh, stuff, you know, it's the variant uh, has, has come into play here, and the variant is more resistant to the vaccine than we thought it would be. So, you know, it's certainly more dangerous. And as far as strapping masks on your kids at schools, well, that's definitely got to happen because, you see, COVID-19 is responsible, responsible for twice as many deaths in children as influenza. This is what Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, said. That children die at twice the rate from COVID-19 as they do from influenza. That's just extraordinary. What a statement, because we all know that the science has shown that children are statistically insignificant 
as it pertains to rates of infection of COVID-19, much less rates of hospitalization or death. Statistically, not even relevant. That's how, how rare it is. So for her to say it actually kills kids at a faster rate than, um, than influenza does, that, that raised the eyebrows of some. Among them was Phil Kirpin, who is a, uh, a reporter who dug into the details on this and went right to the CD, CDC website. The CDC, led by Rochelle Walensky, who just said kids die at twice the rate from COVID than they do the flu. What does her organization's website, the CDC website, say? Phil Kirpin dug it up. Tucker Carlson reported on Kirpin's findings last night. He found that the director of the CDC has no idea what she's talking about. So here are the actual numbers from the CDC website. From 2019 to 2020, according to the CDC, a total of 124 children died of COVID. From 2020 to this year, which is not done yet, a total of 213 children died of COVID. Now, by comparison, the influenza virus killed more than 400 children just last year. And in fact, that was not an aberration. Influenza has killed far more children than COVID has in each of the past five years. In fact, it's not even close. And all of that is assuming that the CDC's numbers on underage deaths from COVID are accurate. And it looks like they're not. In a recent report, the CDC itself acknowledges it could be vastly over-reporting the number of children who have died from COVID. I want you to hear that part again, or I'll just repeat it. The CDC itself has said that the number of children that they are ruling as death from COVID is likely vastly over-reported because of what they've done all along. Children with comorbidities, like adults with comorbidities, uh, and children who die in accidents, but if they find, it's found they have COVID, they're reporting them as COVID deaths. So even the number inflated by BS, as it is, still doesn't match the number of deaths by influenza that the CDC director just told us. This is why your kids have to wear masks in schools, on buses, in group settings, all because of lies. Lies and misinformation that is, and this is the best part about it, it isn't like they went to the CDC and saw their numbers, and then, well, another group studied this, and their numbers are, show something different, so clearly this one is superior to that one. No, 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 no. That's not the case here. In this case, it's the CDC contradicting the CDC. The CDC's own numbers prove that its director, who is in charge of fear and hysteria, Rochelle Walensky, in charge of fear and hysteria, lied about the danger of COVID-19 killing kids. Let's finish this up. The CDC report says that when considering everyone who died of COVID, roughly 2.5% of those who died had a coexisting medical condition unrelated to their deaths. But for children under the age of 18, that number went up dramatically. It was over 35%. 35, over 35% of children who died from COVID had what the CDC called a, quote, unrelated medical condition. In other words, more than a third of children who were listed on the official records as dying from COVID had a comorbidity that the CDC assures us cannot possibly be related to COVID. But it appears upon closer examination that the comorbidities might, in fact, be related to the deaths of those children. Now we're going to pause here and say, why are we getting so precise about these numbers? 
because these numbers are being used to justify putting a mask on your third grader for an entire freaking year at school. What's the effect on a child of doing that, of sitting in a classroom full of people whose faces he can't see, of breathing cotton fiber for 10 hours a day, every day? I'll answer that. Depression, anxiety, fear, all of those things. All of them are afflicting millions of kids nationwide when they are forced to cover themselves and not be able to have social interaction with other kids and with teachers. When you can't see faces, when you can't breathe clearly, it is caused... The, the, listen, the number of medical, psychological and medical, or actually that's all medical, psychological and physical... Um, damage or, or uh, uh, conditions that cause damage to kids because of wearing masks at school, being mandated to do so, are all well documented. They are scientifically sourced. They are terrible for children. And the justification for forcing them to do exactly this, the information the CDC is presenting is is inaccurate. And that's a generous and gentle way of saying they're lying to us. This is about control. We'll be right back. All right. Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 935. Thanks for being with us. 216-901-0945. My question for you this morning. If you have children, are you going to send them to school in masks? If the state of Ohio says this is going to be the policy because the CDC, the corrupt, lying, inaccurate, phony CDC, Playing political games on behalf of the Biden administration. They have left it up to you, not you, left it up to the states, rather, left it up to the uh, state government or your local school districts. If your district tells you everybody's wearing masks in school when school starts next month, and for most people it does, somewhere in the uh, mid to late August, maybe it is after Labor Day for some, but still. Whenever it is, are you going to let your kids do it or are you going to fight that? Are you going to push that? I would ask you if you're going to have your kids vaccinated, but they're not even allowed to yet under 12, and that's a good thing. They should not allow that, and as a matter of fact, they certainly shouldn't push and promote that. But are you going to let your kids suffer through the multiple, and there are many, many, many conditions resulting from children being forced to wear masks for six, seven, eight hours a day? Are you going to subject your children to that, or are you going to fight this? I know a lot of people have said, I'll fight, and if I lose the fight, then I will pull the kids. I'll pull the kids and I'll find another way to educate them. Some are saying I'm going to homeschool. Others are saying I'd love to homeschool, but I can't. I don't have the time. I work. Both parents work. I can't stay home and educate the kids. But you know what they're doing? And I love this. They're teaming up and hiring tutors to do the homeschooling for them. Now, that might not be optimal, But when you do team up, and it's not a one-on-one instruction, a tutor in your child, but it's maybe, let's say, a five-on-one. You split the cost of a tutor with four other families, four other parents, 
who are in your neighborhood who would be in the same school with your kids, and you homeschool by way of private tutor. Maybe that's the answer. But somebody's got to find an answer. It certainly cannot be, yes, let's continue to contribute to the mental and physical destruction of our kids by forcing them to wear these masks, which are absolutely not in keeping with science, not in keeping with the statistical results of COVID and where we are. And if you're tired of hearing me say it, let's uh, let's listen to Rand Paul say it. So what we need to do is not, you know, push fear mongering. Is it perfect? Do we know it's a thousand percent perfect? No, but the burden should be on government to prove that there's widespread, you know, people who have had it are now getting it by the tens of thousands or people who are being vaccinated still are passing it along. Even the CDC this week admitted before somebody made them roll it back, but the head of the CDC was on TV saying, if you've been vaccinated, we've discovered that you're not carrying it and you're not transmitting it. This is all good news, but these people can't stand good news because that means you get out from under their thumb and you're allowed to go back to living your life. They don't want you to be free of their mandates. They like the idea of submission because most of these people are at heart big government people. That That is extraordinarily important. That last part of what Rand Paul just said, and I'm going to let you hear it again, is exactly right. They don't want you to be free of their mandates because this is about psychological and social conditioning. Do not think for one second that this does not tie into the movement of socialism and Marxism in American government and in American culture. In order to enslave the people psychologically, if not physically, You have to condition them into accepting everything the government says. And if the government can paint it properly enough that it's in your best interest, there's no nefarious motive here, that this is just for your good and for the benefit of all of your neighbors and families and friends and grandmas and grandpas, just do what we say, that's psychological conditioning. That's why, as Rand Paul says, they can't stand good news because they, it, 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 it does not advance their agenda. Not transmitting it. This is all good news, but these people can't stand good news because that means you get out from under their thumb and you're allowed to go back to living your life. They don't want you to be free of their mandates. They like the idea of submission because most of these people are at heart big government people. Big government people, Senator Paul, and quite frankly, socialist and Marxist people. Now, you may say, all right, all right, all right, France. I've heard you say it. And I've heard people like Rand Paul say it. I've heard Fox News and Newsmax and One American News say it. But, you know, you're not giving us the whole story. What does CNN say? Well, 99.9% of the times, CNN broadcasts fake news to you. But, but occasionally, just occasionally, one of their staff or one of their contributors, or one of their guests, lets a little bit of truth leak out. And I think that's what happened here. I don't think Anderson Cooper expected this. But when they had Dr. Sanjay Gupta on, who has been a get your vax, get your vax, get your vax, you know, uh, uh, pro-vax contributor on CNN, obviously, When you get him acknowledging something that I talked about yesterday and I said that nobody is talking about, maybe with the exception of a couple of the docs that appear on Fox News, like Nicole Sapphire, nobody is talking about natural immunity. Nobody is talking about antibodies. Nobody is talking about my swimming in COVID antibodies when I recovered from it uh, back in October of last year. 
And now we're 10 months in, and my antibodies are tremendous. And there is strong evidence that my antibodies are not going to expire after 10 or 12 months. There's strong evidence that they're going to be a lifetime. How do we know? Again, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Listen to this. Would, would you get a third? I mean, should people get a third shot? I, I'm not running out and getting a third shot right now because, uh, you know, as we've been saying, the vaccines work really well in their current iteration. They, they really do. I mean, you know, they, if, if you start to see that the vaccine effectiveness is truly waning, maybe, as you said, maybe there's some, some evidence, but, you know, people who get the vaccine do not get severely ill. I mean, two, two to three percent, perhaps, you know, you, you, you have really good protection. I don't know that boosting up, you know, fivefold or tenfold the antibodies against something that already works really well makes a big difference. Um, you know, maybe those doses could be used elsewhere around the world and have better return on our value. But at some point, if it's clear that the, the immunity is waning, then sure, that might be an option. I will point out that people who got natural immunity from SARS, I'm talking back in 2003, Anderson, you, you fast forward to 2020, 17 years later, and they still had evidence of immunity. Hmm. So immunity can last a long time. Immunity can last a long time. Immunity can last a lifetime. This is a CNN doctor. This is a CNN medical contributor who has been opposed to virtually everything that you and I and others like us stand for when it comes to this. But he just blew Anderson Cooper's mind. I promise you he didn't expect this. Anderson Cooper was talking about getting the third mRNA non-FDA-approved drug cocktail, experimental drug cocktail, jammed into you to strengthen a little bit the first two doses that you got. And Sanjay Gupta said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because it's still very effective. And, oh, by the way, for people who have already had the virus, the evidence is strong that they're going to have long-lasting immunity from it. Nobody on the left admits this. Nobody. But Sanjay Gupta let it slip. Evidencing what happened with SARS back in 2003. 18 years later, he said 17, but 18 years later now, from 2003, people who had SARS then still have the antibodies and still have the immunity today. So why would we waste our time, those who have at least have been infected? And I gave you the numbers yesterday. I gave you the numbers. Some 35.5 million Americans have had COVID and recovered from it. About 600,000 had COVID and died from it. And again, that's even counting the, you know, the, the, the erroneous, uh, inflated fake numbers of the, of the, uh, federal government. But even if you buy those numbers, that means some 34 and a half million Americans have natural immunity and have no need for a vaccine. You add that number of 34 and a half million Americans who have, uh, already had natural immunity to the 188 million Americans who have had at least one jab and 161 million, I believe, who have had two jabs, the full vaccinations, you have around 67, 68, 69% of Americans then who have the quote-unquote immunity. In other words, they're telling us we have to keep doing this until we reach herd immunity. We're at herd immunity. The only reason that they're saying we're not at herd immunity is because the rest of the the federal government and the left-wing media, save for Sanjay Gupta here, 
refused to count the natural immunity. They refused to count the natural antibodies built up inside the the, the, the uh, systems, uh, the immune systems of 34.5 million Americans already. But Sanjay Gupta let that cat out of the bag on CNN, and I promise you he was reprimanded for this right when they went to commercial. If it's clear that the, the immunity is waning, then sure, that might be an option. I will point out the people who got natural immunity from SARS, I'm talking back in 2003, Anderson, you, you fast forward to 2020, 17 years later, and they still had evidence of immunity. Hmm. So immunity can last a long time. Pfizer also. That's just, that's just so extraordinary and, and unlikely to get that admission of truth from a doctor on CNN. I guarantee you he was reprimanded and admonished for his, uh, for his truth. Uh, when they went into commercial break or at some sort of staff meeting today, because he just basically said, if you've already had COVID, you don't need to get vaccinated. You already have natural immunity. All right. Uh, welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945. Parents, moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, you're going to send your kids to school next month in masks, or are you going to find an alternative? Are you going to fight it? Are you going to challenge the school boards? Are you going to challenge principals? Are you going to challenge the local health department? Are you going to pull your kids out and find a way to homeschool or get them into a charter school or a private school? What is your strategy? 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. I want to hear from you on this uh, very important question. Finally, last thought on this. Um, uh, we have heard numerous people suggesting that there is going to be a federal mandate on masks or, or on vaccinations or a combination thereof. That has uh, begun. That is underway. And according to what I have read, there are multiple lawsuits ready to be filed as soon as Joe Biden pulls that trigger. The trigger has been pulled on the VA. All right. Veterans Affairs uh, workers, federal workers working for the VA must be fully vaccinated or they're going to lose their jobs. Period. That's just it. If you don't want to don't get vaccinated, you're going to have to find somewhere else to work. That's what they are being told. That is astounding. That when I talk to you about social conditioning, when I talk to you about trying to win your hearts and minds by saying this is what's best for you. Trust us. What was Reagan's line? The most dangerous words in the English language are, are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Exactly. But forget about the social conditioning and trust us, we're here to help. If that isn't working, then they're, then they're bringing the heavy hand. Then they're taking the velvet glove off of the iron fist. And they are just saying, get the shots or get fired. Now that's at the VA. Is that coming to every federal employee in America? And if it does, does that then move to, as you can imagine it does, blank rolls downhill to state employees in every state in America? At what point does it happen to county workers, municipal workers, and so on and so forth? That is the question. And, again, I've been told that there are multiple lawyers ready with lawsuits, ready to go as soon as the first person is fired because they did not take the vaccine, and they are federal workers. So we'll talk about the federal, we'll talk about the state, we'll talk about the county, we'll talk about the municipal workers as well. But I welcome your thoughts. Again, if that impacts you or somebody in your family, too, tell me about it and tell me what the plans are. I told you yesterday, just real quick before I go to break, I told you yesterday a good friend of mine has a spouse who is working for the DOD. The Department of Defense. Now, they're not in the service. They are working, I believe it's in benefits and retirements and so forth. Um, and this spouse has been told, you must take the vaccine or you're going to lose your job. 
And the friend called me and said, what should we do? What's your advice? What would you do if you were in the situation? And I, I didn't know. I didn't know. Somebody who is in a you know a long-term position, let's say they've got a retirement plan being built there, a, a nice government pension, working for the government for all of these years, and then suddenly they've got to just yank it and go work somewhere in the private sector because they don't want to take an experimental drug cocktail that's non-FDA approved. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And neither did my friend uh, and the spouse who was working uh, uh, for the government. So I guess that's my question to you. That's question number two. What would you do? What will you do? If your employer, public or private employer, tells you, take the jab or get out, are you ready to file that lawsuit? Or are you ready to say, the hell with it, I'll take the jab? What is your plan of action if you face that? 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. I'll be right back. Into this world we're thrown Like a dog without a bone And actor out of Riders on the storm. All right, bringing truth to you like nobody else does, asking the questions nobody else wants asked. Uh, that's what we do each and every day. Join me at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, you're sending your kids to school in masks next month per CDC guidance and many local school district decisions. And then also, federal workers, family members of federal workers, Joe Biden is threatening, take the jab or get fired. What are you going to do if it comes down to it? Are you ready to start a new career in another place, private sector, or are you going to fight that? I want to hear from you, 216-901-0945. Margaret is in Northfield. Hi, Margaret. Thanks for calling. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Margaret. Uh um, yeah, I, well, I used to be a federal employee. I separated about, about two years ago and, um, I keep on thinking about my retirement. The federal employees have the thrift savings plan and, um, I have money I can't touch for two and a half years. Since I'm separated, I can't take a loan on it. I still have friends in working for the government and, um, they have not taken the clot shot. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are so, we going to do? So, and they so help me out. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So as a former federal employee, you're saying you don't have access to any money on your retirement account, um, that even to take a loan against that retirement account for two and a half years after you, you leave. Oh, well, no, I can't do it now. I can't do it. But, as yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so that's why yeah, your I, friends I who are current federal workers, again, I'm just trying to clarify what you're saying. So your friends who are current federal workers are basically saying, well, if I want to leave so I don't have to be forced to take that experimental drug cocktail, I can't mm-hmm. because I can't even get any of my retirement money out or take a loan off out of to, uh, to live on uh, before I get a new job. That, that's, that's the conundrum correct. they're facing. Yes, correct. So, you know, and so this is the conundrum I'm in is because I think this is coming at us fast and hard. And so do I try to get all my money out and take the tax penalties and everything comes with it? Because I, my God, Bob, are we going to have a country in two and a half years? 
Well, <laughs> the way yeah, things are going. That you're right. It's a great question, and it's a it's a sad sad that we have to consider that that reality or that possibility. Anyway, um, so what are your friends deciding? Like as they ponder this, are they gonna are they gonna take the tax hit? What because isn't it? If you take your retirement out, don't you lose like twenty percent of it off the top? Correct. Yeah, it's a crazy amount of money you lose right off the top if you go into your retirement account early. Um, but again, if the alternative is taking a jab that may or may not be safe for you, and again, I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. telling anybody it's absolutely not safe. There are a lot of people who have taken uh, one or two jabs and who are fine and didn't have anything happen to them. Good for you. I always say the same thing. Do your homework. Do your research. You decide between you and your doctor whether it's right for you. But if people decide, Margaret, like your current federal employee friends, that it's not right for them they just don't know how dangerous it's going to be if they take that what are they what are they doing if uh, if this mandate comes have they said it have they said we're going to take the hit and and take the money out or are they just going to bite the bullet and take the jab and cross their fingers well my good friend back in south dakota says he won't take it um he's actually working two jobs one with the, the federal agency and one in the private sector um he will lose about 2000 hours of paid sick leave if they get if they let him go or he decides to quit and won't be able to touch his retirement i don't know what he's going to do i have no idea and again this is what are they going to do with what tens of thousands of federal employees that decide not to do this what is the repercussions later down the line for these retirement accounts i mean it's well, well, I, th- I think I you can't... just I think you just hit something that uh, could could be a could be an answer here when you say what are they going to do if thousands of federal employees all decide we're not doing this and we leave that I think is is something to consider now I I don't know how that organizes but but literally how can the federal government continue to operate if a massive chunk of its workforce says we're not doing this and we're leaving. Um, they wouldn't be able to hire and train people to replace thousands of people enough just to keep the federal government operations going, depending on what department that they're talking about. But of course, there are a myriad number of, you know, of, of federal agencies. So maybe that's the answer. Individually, there's no power. A person says, I'm leaving. They're, goodbye. Uh, you know, you're not taking the jab. Goodbye. See ya. Good luck in the private sector. Good luck getting your money out, et cetera. I've got somebody else ready to take your job right now. But do that with 5,000. Do that with 10,000 people if federal workers band together. And I don't mean unionize, but I just mean coordinate in such a way here to say we're not taking this jab and we're all ready to file our, our, uh, our, uh, to give our two weeks notice and we're out of here. I wonder, I wonder if that wouldn't be what, you know, what, what they could do to try to stop this. Well, I got, I guess we got to wait and see what happens, right? Yeah, but but you know what I, I I you know yes you're right we have to wait and see what happens but I hope there's not a massive number of people just waiting to see what happens I hope somebody steps up and acts on this you know tell I them I, in in my opinion Margaret and thank you for your call by the way I'm going to let you go here so I can get to the news at the top of the hour great call and you've raised a really interesting point here's what I hope just to to tie a bow on this before we go to Doctor Piper after the news I hope they don't wait for the announcement that the entirety of the federal government is being treated like the VA is right now, in that everyone is being mandated, if you're a federal employee, to get vaccinated or be fired. Don't wait for that announcement. I think they need to band together now and issue a directive, a direct statement, a declarative to the federal government, to all of their agencies, saying, we, the undersigned, 
will be issuing two weeks' notice if this is mandated for us, without exception. Let them see how many thousands of people will walk, thus perhaps bringing the federal government and a lot of its operations to a halt. Let them know ahead of time before they even issue the directive, and thus you know creating a standoff. Great call, Margaret. We'll talk more after the news, AM 1420. The